Airing from the No Sponsorship Studios, this is Buddy Walk with Jesus, where real life and the kingdom of God connect. Now, your hosts, Joe and Edgar. Father God, I thank you for the opportunity to come before you, Father. You hold all things in your hands. And I praise your name for that. I just thank you that you're a God who reveals, Father. You long for us to be connected to you. You implore, you even ask. Father, I would even use the word beg, but that doesn't even give it the right sense. You woo us, you pursue us. And sometimes we're just caught in our own world and we don't realize the gift that you are giving of your relationship father we make it small we make it as something that we could fit into our schedules as opposed to making it the most important thing possible to do that day father that very minute father i pray for every listener right now that feels tugged by you to really come into your presence that they'd open their heart that they would reveal to you their deepest thoughts fears values, everything that makes them just want to be before you, Father, that you would love them into union with you, and that they would be able to feel the breath of you on their necks. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, everyone, welcome back to Buddy Walk with Jesus. As always, as we get started, we want you guys to know two things that you are prayed for and that you are loved deeply um if you guys would do us a quick favor check out our website buddywalkwithjesus.com there you'll be able to find all of the links for our stuff the discord server um come engage there's great conversation that goes on there as well as our patreon page and our merch store um if you guys have any prayer requests uh don't hesitate to reach out prayer at buddywalkwithjesus.com. Our prayer team is there. I just want to say before anybody, uh, before we start, if people are thinking you have a guest host today, they're mistaken. (laughs) This is really my voice today. And I'm so looking forward towards this episode. Believe it or not, I chose to make sure that I was here today for it. So I'm hoping that my voice is not a distraction, that you'll be able to hear from the Lord today. In Jesus' name, amen. So this week, we are going to be throwing our hat in the ring for our two cents on a viral TikTok that has been making its way through the Christian community. From a man claiming to be a reverend, have having gone through seminary and all of that, Brandon Robertson, who used part of Mark chapter 7 to try and state that Jesus had a racist moment by calling a Seraphonesian woman a dog. Now, we're going to go ahead and play the clip for you guys. Um, It goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um... There is some serious nonsense that's about to be, that you're about to hear. We in no way, shape, or form um, endorse this line of thinking. As a matter of fact, we are about to set out 
to take a biblical perspective on everything that uh, Brandon Robertson says. So here it is. Did you know that there's a part of the Gospel of Mark where Jesus uses a racial slur? In Mark chapter 7, there's the account of the Seraphonician woman, a woman who is Syrian and Greek, both of which there were strong biases against within the Jewish community. And she comes to ask Jesus to heal her daughter who's possessed by a demon. And what is Jesus's response? He says, it's not good for me to give the children's food, meaning the children of Israel's food, to dogs. He calls her a dog. What's amazing about this account is that the woman doesn't back down. She speaks truth to power. She confronts Jesus and says, well, you can think that about me, but even dogs deserve the crumbs from the table. Her boldness and bravery to speak truth to power actually changes Jesus' mind. Jesus repents of his racism and extends healing to this woman's daughter. I love this story because it's a reminder that Jesus is human. He had prejudices and bias, and when confronted with it, he was willing to do his work. And this woman was willing to stand up and speak truth. So this is a pinpoint example of some of the falsehoods that we've been sounding the alarm about over the last couple of months, exposing these different deceptions to the light of truth. Um, honestly, it's in vogue to bastardize scripture and use it to create a homebrew Jesus model for personal social justice or agenda. We have here a self-proclaimed progressive Christianity pastor and an LGBTQ activist teaching that the God of the Old Testament was wrong in the light of Jesus, going to great lengths to reframe the definition of truth by trying to make these ideas and these concepts jive and all to present something that is entirely different than Christianity. The only similarity between the two are a couple of names and otherwise this is something entirely different than what the Bible has to say. Um, there's a misconception I think sometimes that when that truth and intelligence are synonymous like oh that person is smart or well-spoken then they must be speaking out of a place of authority and the problem is though we've seen plenty of people that were by all standards of measurement brilliant people either spin deceit or simply have a perspective from a person who's living a life apart from God. So we need to understand that even if these counterfeit teachers are speaking from a place of confidence, if they are presenting something in an eloquent way, it can just as easily be heresy. And they do so in a way with authority and confidence that honestly fools an unfortunate amount of people into believing that what they're saying is noble or virtuous, right? It's very easy for something like this to pass the sniff test, if you will, right? If you don't have a firm understanding of the character of God or the person of Jesus, then all you're seeing is somebody that is standing up for quote-unquote social rights 
or a personal agenda that by all, you know, by all humanly standards, you know, yeah, it's a good thing to talk about, but not when you're utilizing word to try and shoehorn in and read your own thoughts into scripture. I want to say at the start, while I use words like nonsense or garbage on stuff like this, it's important to note that the men that we are going to discuss today have gone to exhaustive lengths to manipulate scripture at an honestly clever level. But just because it's clever doesn't mean that it's truth or mean that it's good. So as always, we want to shine the light of scripture on this and expose these false teachings, these counterfeits. We want to get started here by having you guys hear what the Bible actually says about this account. It's written in two different places, Matthew and Mark. Matthew chapter 15, starting at verse 22. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word, so his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him, Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the child's, the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. In Mark chapter 7, starting at verse 24, Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre. He didn't want anyone to know which house he was staying in, but he couldn't keep it a secret. Right away, a woman who had heard about him came and fell at his feet. Her little girl was possessed by an evil spirit, and she begged him to cast out the demon from her daughter. Since she was a Gentile, born in Syrian Phoenicia, Jesus told her, First, I should feed the children, my own family, the Jews. It isn't right to take food from the table and throw it to the dogs. She replied, That's true, Lord, but even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat the scraps from the children's plates. Good answer, he said. Now go home, for the demons have left your daughter. And when she arrived home, she found her little girl lying quietly in bed, and the demon was gone. Yes, if I can jump in now, I'm, I'm going to give a little bit of some of the stuff that I've dug up as a preface and for this. This is not the first time I've heard this conversation of using the Syrophoenician woman as to prove that Jesus was a bigot. And that thought should cause every Christian to pause. This is the first time I've ever heard anything like this. Oh, no. Back in 2017, there was, I believe it was 2017, there was a bishop, and I believe she was in the Episcopalian Church. Escap excuse me, Episcopalian Church. Forgive me, it's just my throat. She 
went on to talk about how Jesus was put in his place by the Syrophoenician woman. She also has a lot of the progressive theology that we find in common with this movement. And as we discussed several weeks ago, there's an effort to minimize Jesus to a teacher level. And you listened to this young man speak and he just treated Jesus as though he was a man, not as God. And we're going to get into the deeper th theological consequences of such talk. And I'm hoping that it's clear because you'll need to make this argument not only to others, but for yourself. Because being steadfast means that you know the truth and you know the counterfeit when you hear it. And I'm sure there were a lot of people were saying, what's wrong? Why is this being played? This is a weird or something like that. You instantly went to, wait a minute, I can't receive this. Um, these are his qualifications and, and he posts this on his website. He's an author or, or contributing author to 15 books on spirituality, justice, and theology. He writes regularly for Pathios, which I went and read one article. The, the first article I read said, I said, easily dismissed because it lacks merit that it's trying to prove. Has bylines in Time Magazine, San Diego Union, Tribune, the Huffington Post, NBC, and the Washington Post. He's a trusted voice on progressive faith and politics. He's regularly interviewed in national and global media outlets, including the NPR Radio, National Public Radio, the Independent UK, the New York Times, and Political. Speaks on a variety of topics across the globe to people. Was an honored speaker at renowned institutions such as the White House, Oxford University, the Parliament of World Religions, has served on advisory committees and working for the Democratic National Convention, the U.S. Department of State, the Department of Health and Human Services, the Humane Society. In 2020, this young man, Robertson, was also named the Fellow of the Salzburg Global Seminar. He is a senior pastor of Mission Gathering Christian Church in San Diego, California, named by the Human Rights Campaign as one of the top clergy leading the fight for human rights. In 2017, Robertson organized a Christian United States statement that garnered support from 4,000 senior Christian leaders around the world declaring the dignity and equality of LGBT plus people and is also a founding member of the Union of Affirming Christians and the Global Interfaith Commission on LGBTQ Lives. He received a Bachelor of Arts in Pastoral Ministry and Theology from Moody Bible Institute. His Master's of Theological Studies from, I think it's pronounced, Illip School of Theology and is completing his Master's in Political Science at Eastern Illinois University. This young man, has a lot of credentials. He is filled with a resume that will catch a lot of people's attention. And what happens is a lot of people would look at this and they would equate this as a person who knows something because of the vast, not only schooling he has, but the influence he has with him. He has influenced 4,000 senior Christian leaders in a movement. 
He has been to government institutions. He has been um, in newspapers. He has written books. So people will look at this and say, okay, this man knows something. And then, you know, me, Joe Schmo, I don't have these credentials. And why would I listen to Edgar? You know, who cares? But, you know, the interesting thing is we have a God who doesn't look at the outward. And that includes resumes. He looks at the inward. And what I find interesting is a lot of the heroes of the faith were small in stature. A lot of the villains were great in stature. And I would put like King Saul in the villain class. And he's one of those that could have been, you know, in the good side and then went to the bad side. We have to look how we determine what has value before us as though God values it. If we look at it through man's eyes, we're set to be deceived. We just are. This happened with the Da Vinci Code. A lot of people said, oh, well, I knew Jesus was married now because he says it, you know, and he proved it in his preach search notes. So here we're placed in a position of saying, you know, who do I give my, I can't think of the word, but I want to say belief to. Um, and I'm not saying you should believe us. And I, I would say go to scripture. You know, don't take it on our authority. We, we're speaking because God has told us to speak. But that means nothing to you guys because you have to go to the Lord and say, you know, are these two nuts as well? You know, maybe I'm in a world full of nuts. Maybe. I don't know. But I'm looking at it as right now we're in a critical time in history. We have seen the church start to question itself. The true church knows the true bride. And there is no negotiating on that. There is no um, being deceived on that. Those who don't know the truth are searching. And they can find it out from somebody who's steadfast. And in scripture. And questions to see if it is true what a person says. And I would say this is the opportunity to really hone that skill and to learn about it. So I'm not really a TikTok kind of guy. So I had not heard this. That, just that whole thing was lost on me. The whole idea of watching 30 second videos or whatever it is, just the whole idea is lost on me. But I first heard this, um, this clip from when it was discussed by one of the um, Christian teachers that I follow and they did a reaction to it and they played it. And in the first five seconds, the rapid fire misuse of scripture was enough to actually make me angry. I had to shut it off at first. I had to stop it the first time that I watched it. Cause I'm like, what is happening right now? And for me, like I said, I had never heard this argument before. So this is the first time that I had ever heard anybody try and use scripture to say that he was, because to me, to me, it doesn't make any sense. When you put it into full into full context, obviously, that's not what was happening. But we're going to talk about just how out of context all of that was. I think it goes deeper than what you just said about how it was taken out of context. And it goes to what you said earlier. It was to help them with their agenda. 
yeah, eliciting an, a, a reaction like that is, I'm, I'm sure, not far away from what it is that they were trying to accomplish. So, um, we start off this nonsense with him asking, did you know that in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus uses a racial slur? Stopping right there, what's happening here is he's taking a scriptural example and reframing it to speak something modern to support a personal agenda. And we know that if it doesn't matter how worldly virtuous it is, if there's anything that you're saying that conflicts with scripture, it's got to go. And you know that if it conflicts with scripture, it's not a God thing. It's a self thing. So while this might be a quote unquote good cause, Brandon Roberts is an example of a man taking sections of the Bible, zero context, purposefully to read out that personal agenda and presents it back in sound bites to people that don't know better. This is the problem with soundbite culture is you can give something in 30 seconds and it's a lot quicker to spell off a high number of falsehoods in a short period of time than it is to speak a lot of truth in a short period of time. It's the very good example of why you should know your Bible so that when someone is misquoting it, you actually pick up on where they deviate. There, it was instant. And I'm sure there were a lot of listeners who had the same gut reaction. Mine was anger. Um, I'm not in an angry place about it now. Um, which is kind of a little bit ironic when we get to where I'm at. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll find out if, how that goes. But this, and the thing I find, and I've listened to him speak a couple times. I didn't just listen to it once. But what stayed with me, and I think it's a little bit shady, is that he reads it from today's reader for the purpose of eliciting a response and uh, this is this new word that I learned gaslighting so you can gaslight people and that means get them burning about something and this is not what Jesus was doing so all his impressive resume as far as I'm concerned have been nullified based on what he got out of this text and this is why even though he he has a Moody Bible Institute, which I recognize that one, and I thought it was a good one. I, I had a pastor's son who became a pastor, went to Moody Bible Institute. So I know that they do good teaching there up until that point. I don't know if it's changed, but this is what I would say is he goes and he says that he calls this woman a dog, a dog, and he's very like outraged by it in his, his demeanor. What I find fascinating is he doesn't take it to a certain point where you would instantly reject it. And this is what I mean. Usually when a person calls a woman a dog, they don't use the word dog. If he had said he called the woman that word, you would have instantly resisted him because you know Jesus would never use that word. So he stops short. And I think that's intentional. Because you can easily make the play that that's what he was calling her. 
and you should even be further outraged. But most people have a nice sense of Jesus as being a good man, a good person, if they don't believe he's God. He was a good teacher, and you'll get people who say that. I vehemently say he's God, and he was fully man. What is amazing to me is that me, little Edgar, can go and look at what the word was in the Greek that Jesus used. And the word translates as a little dog or a puppy. Okay, so what he's really doing is he's setting a metaphor. And the children of Israel were the ones to whom the Messiah was sent. And we understand that from scripture. And so here he's saying that the that is it right to give the food of the children to the puppy? You as a parent know the answer to that. Now, if the piece of chicken falls on the floor, are you going to say, that's my son or my daughter's piece? Or are you going to let the puppy have it? So what happened is in this whole outrage that he tries to build up that Syrophoenicians were treated as dogs or thought of as dogs by um, Jewish culture. He's trying to gaslight that. But what happens is Jesus is saying, look at this Syrophoenician woman at the end has greater faith than the children of Israel. So he elevates her. But all this is not part of his discussion. And I won't say it's lost on him because with that kind of a resume, I'm pretty sure he knows where he was headed with the direction. And that may be a little bit of judgmental on my side. So forgive me for that. But I think the argument is really there for that this was a tailored point that he was trying to bring out. Yeah, at that point, when you have that, when you're that credentialed, right, you have to work to not know what you're talking about. You need to go out of your way to have an agenda um, because you can't, you cannot tell me, you cannot convince me that somebody who is that credentialed has never heard somebody speak on this. And maybe it's because this is never been i've never been then taught the contrarian point of you on this one but i don't understand why this is a hard topic for some christians to talk about like like you know protecting people from truth sort of thing it's one of those things that when you look at everything all in full context you can see a very clear picture of who god is and who jesus is you there's no questions about it. And and so it, it's it's important to really recognize that we we're beating the drum on this so hard because like Edgar said, you know, if you don't know what Matthew 15 actually says, if you don't know what Mark 7 actually says, then to hear somebody in a 30-second video that is going to stay with you emotionally, thats it's meant to do that, you're not going to have the actual words to compare it to. You're not going to know what the actual true story is to compare all of that to. 
and I've transcribed his his short speech from the video. And this is a direct quote. Her boldness and bravery to speak truth to power actually changes Jesus's mind. Jesus repents of his racism and extends healing to this woman's daughter. Let, let me just tell you, that's a heretical statement. This is why. If Jesus were to repent, that means he had sinned. And if he had sinned, his blood could not cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It would be tainted. This woman did not do something that Satan couldn't do. Okay, let's not make this a bigger thing than it, it is by saying he's, and this is a, this is a part, he's, she spoke truth to power. I know that's a catchphrase now. I'm going to tell you, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no more power than life. This young man has fully disqualified himself as being an authority on scripture based on that statement alone. Because he's minimized Jesus to a sinner. And he has removed in people's minds the ability that God, through Jesus, can forgive sins. That Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is God. That Jesus is Master that he is savior. I don't like this type of theology. I'm not trying to attack the man. I think he has disqualified himself though. And my war is not against him, but against the principality that taught him. Yeah. And I know that demonic spirit because I see it every day. And I don't mean visually see, but I see what happens in the world with bad theology. And I define bad theology as that which goes against the Bible. And you guys have heard us for a while. Um, and if you're a new listener, welcome. <laughs> you picked a great episode to be here for. But here is where God's heart is. That he would tell the Syrophoenician woman, you have great faith. Your daughter is healed. The woman who was racially picked on by the people of his community and if you can't draw the conclusion that Jesus was picked on by his community you haven't read enough of the Bible so that's what I would tell this young man and I was going to say this for later but this is not the first time and hear me this is not the first time that a religious leader has gone against Jesus that is the thing that I got from my walk today. It's not going to be the last time. And what is interesting is that these people are well resumed. They are charismatic. They come as delightful individuals with smiles. So be careful of the packaging, if you will, because the theology is rotted. I want to go back to the the part that he said right before the part that you quoted. And she comes to ask Jesus to heal her daughter who is possessed by a demon. And what is Jesus' response? He says, it's not good for me to give the children's food, meaning the children of Israel's food, to dogs. He calls her a dog. What's amazing about this account is that the woman doesn't back down. 
she speaks truth to power and confronts Jesus and says, well, you can think that about me, but even dogs deserve the crumbs from the table. These guys are celebrating this woman as if she stood up for herself against the bully. They celebrate her because of her, you know, backbone and her pride and her willingness to stand up for herself. But notice something. Notice how in the actual source material, she never actually said anything about dogs deserving crumbs. And their natural response to people pointing out how grossly they misquoted is to say that, well, we're just taking the Bible too literal. This is the danger of the culture of just taking in other people's perspective or the summary of the Bible. That's the problem with, that's the danger with holding the Bible loosely to be able to be open to other interpretations or to be swayed to and fro. The Bible is not done in sound bites. The Bible is not done in sections. The gospel can be summarized, but the Bible is whole and complete, the full, complete, true north word of God. And it's important that we understand that people are going to continue to come. Like Edgar said, Brandon Roberts and Miguel De La Torre, who is, uh, who is Brandon Roberts' mentor, who takes all of this nonsense even a step further. You know, at least with Brandon, he's packaged it in a way that's, um, I'm going to say, way more inviting to the average person, like Edgar was saying. With Miguel De La Torre, he just straight up is just rewriting the Bible. And, you know, evil thoughts also have mentors and also have followers, just like righteous thoughts have mentors and followers. So this is not the first time. This is not the last time. So it might seem like a non-starter, like, oh, well, of course, Jesus isn't racist. This is just some crackpot on the internet. But remember something. Lies don't have to pass with everybody in order to be dangerous. And in a world where the drive, in a world of drive-by evangelism, talking in sound bites and endless opportunity to hear different voices on these kinds of things, these kinds of things spread like wildfire. We see that the woman humbled herself in front of God. She didn't stand up for herself. She didn't speak truth to power. The truth is, is that Jesus would have had to be pretty ignorant of the Old Testament scriptures. Which, yes, they didn't call Old Testament, but what they had, the scriptures that they had at the time that Jesus taught out of, he would have had to have been incredibly ignorant of what his role was and what the scriptures said in order for what they say about salvation to be true. Flushed completely out, what they believe is that the Seraphonician woman was the reason why salvation came to Jew and Gentile. Their mode of thinking is that up until this point, 
that Jesus was not, he was there for the Jews. That was it. And that it was in this moment where he quote unquote repented of his racism and realized that the non-Jewish people were worth it to sort of thing. And they, they continue to bake in the agenda of racial rights and different things like that. And again, those, we should have conversations if, if we're still having to worry about racism in 2021 you'd hope that we'd become a more civilized society than that so i'm not trying to to downplay an issue that i know that people go through but this scripture is offensive just not guilty of that offense it is offensive to people that want to think that this that they, they're not in need. It's offensive to the flesh. It's offensive to sin and self. These are the very reasons why we need Jesus. Yes, Christianity has exclusivity. One way through Jesus. Many, 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 many ways to get to Jesus. But Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Mm -hmm. So, so we need we need to be willing to embrace the fact that some of what Jesus said is going to be offensive to other people, and if it's offensive to the world, then that's something to to look at. That's something to take notice of. That if the world, if the non-Christian world is saying do this. And the church says, no, no, we're going to stand in opposition. You should take notice of that. These kinds of mistruths are remedied with, with just a bit of context and a bit of knowledge, right? There was a very harsh, like, you dog sort of word that existed in the Hebrew. It exists, and it has been used in other parts of the scriptures we've seen examples of other jewish men calling the gentiles of that time like that like you dog but looking at the source material and understanding the full breadth of what he says yes no you're not you're not a child but you're still part of the family just something a little bit more disconnected than a child and we know that that fits fully and completely with the ministry of Jesus. It was always Jew first and then overflow out to the Gentile. That's Old Testament, that's New Testament, that was never not the case. So it's important that we understand that we have to, it's a non-negotiable for us to view Jesus through the lens of the Old Testament understanding that he was what they were talking about and understand that the bible stands today as one complete holy word just because life in old testament times was holy and completely different than anything that we understand as regular life today 
does not mean that somehow it's invalidated by the New Testament. The whole Bible is one continuous story, one continuous work. It has beautiful unison, and we need to make sure that we aren't reaching in and trying to cherry pick or manipulate that. Since you said the word manipulate, I'm going to put this out there. When you have a person who is trying to take the higher ground, and I'm going to say morally, ooh, racism is really bad. And they make up this story and they put it out on a video. Uh, let me rephrase this. I went to his website and in his resources, he lists a couple of video categories. One was a response to Jesus racist TikTok. Oh, it says Jesus racist TikTok responses. You know what's missing from his website? The TikTok video. I could not find it. And I would think you would leave with, with that. All these, and it looks like 30 links. I could be wrong. It, it, it looks like a lot of responses. Well, let's see what the response is to. And now some of these videos were smart. They included the video in, in their discussion. But I personally, for this full disclosure, would have put, and this is me. I don't know necessarily if that's going to be any better. I would put my video, if I'm going to list all these responses and say, you know, all these people are responding against my video. This is what I said, though. This is what I said. Not that big a deal or whatever I wanted to say, whatever I wanted to push. And these are all the responses that came. And, you know, this is like, I guess, his version of hate mail. It is a hard thing. It is a very hard thing when you do these little things that are red flags for people who can pick up saying, you know what, where's the video? I would like to find this video. I couldn't find it even though I TikTok Jesus was a racist. I TikTok. I should like I've searched for TikTok Jesus is a racist. Believe me, I know what TikTok is. Uh, I'm not that, uh, you know, out of sorts, but um, I wound up not being able to find the video, but it was included in another video because I wanted to see what he said. I didn't want to take someone else's word about what he said. I wanted to see it. And so there are a lot of red flags. And as God gifts you with discernment, because you read the scriptures, you'll go through Proverbs and you'll learn what wisdom is. And you'll go through the Gospels and see God's standard of holiness. And you'll, you'll feel these as you go through the epistles, the call to righteousness, to, to be a light in the world. As you go through all parts of the Bible and see it for what it is, these things will flag for you. And the world is going to get worse. You know, you have to be able to discern the things that God intends for you to discern, discern. And that's sort of like, son, I want to teach you something. Are you willing to learn it? Eh, maybe, you know, I got to do something. You know, the thing is you, you really have to connect with God. You have to make it a priority so that when these things come, 
these things come they're so obvious and i know i know a lot of people saw this it was obvious as soon as they heard it they're like what's up with this but unfortunately that's not true for everyone right and they're gonna rely on you to make them question it you can't make them believe it but you can make them question it well why do you think jesus was racist based on that do you know what the real word he used was do you understand why it was used? Okay, you know, does that sound like what something Jesus would do? You know, there's many different ways the Father can take you through on this. And you don't have to be concerned because he will fill your mouth with all the good things you've been learning on intimacy. It's important to understand that... Um, you know, as as things continue to progress in this world, um, we're get, there's nothing new under the sun, right? There was racism then. There's racism now. There were people misquoting God, misrepresenting God back then. There's people misrepresenting God now. So, like you said, for every for every person that is hearing this and is like oh of course that's nonsense that of course that that's absolutely not true there there there's somebody who doesn't have that and is just scrolling through tiktok and hears this feel good message about something that is you know social socially conscious and that's the entryway into this and you had brought up a good point combat lies with truth and love lovingly show somebody where the threads are and start pulling at them because questions are going to arise and if it's somebody who's honestly seeking truth they're going to see that even even before you add on the biblical perspective from a linguistical point of view they're using they're they're incorrect from the start they're they're incorrect and the more that you show those falsehoods you know the more people are gonna start to question it rather than making somebody feel bad in the first place for even for even believing this because remember we've all had a point in time before we knew truth and again like like edgar said our war is not against brandon robertson or Miguel De La Torre. I, my honest prayer for both of those men is that they see the light of truth and that they honestly, fully and completely repent of what it is that they're doing. I know fully and completely that these messages are wrapped up in their own version of justice with messages behind them that, yeah, I, like most people who have a conscience, want all races to be able to live together and not have to worry about anything happening because of your particular race. But remember that we have a humanly point of view. God has the full picture. And that God's justice, God's law, that is perfect. You think you care about sin in this world? You think you care about the things that happen to people unjustly? 
How much more do you think God cares? And it's his rule and his reign and his justice that is perfect, that is at the forefront, not ours. So be careful if the message that you are following is wrapped up in something that is more that it that says more about man than it does about god my one thought usually when i come across this and i'm looking through his website and he's got articles um modern christian no traditional christianity must die you know and there's people who are quoting him and saying about you know, we should stop teaching our children about the Bible because in there, there's scripture that justifies, you know, a certain perspective. And they claim from genocide to slavery and other things. You never see the same people take a position on the Quran, which has similar perspectives that we can say that it's always pointed toward Christianity. To me, that speaks volumes because of the principality behind it. If it can minimize Jesus, if it can minimize Jesus, then it is easy to keep people deceived. The one thing that sticks in my mind is that with all his resume, with all his vast learning of scripture, actual scripture, biblical scripture coming in, and that word is alive. There is a potential that this young man will repent of his sins, but it may not cascade to those who he had converted. So he will be free to enter the kingdom, but those who have been persuaded and falsely believed his prior words will stand their ground. That bothers me a lot. So I pray and I pray for those individuals, even though I don't know by them by name or by their faces. We've been doing a lot of shows recently about, and, and Joe mentioned the word counterfeit. And if you guys have been listening over the last several weeks, we have said that. There's a huge push for counterfeit. It feels like this moment more than any other time in my lifetime. Mine too. Yeah. And so what I'm saying is there's a reason for it. The enemy is very wicked and he knows his time is short. So now he's rally, rallying his dominions his principalities, and those are spirits that govern over certain areas, you know, to wage that war for the minds of men. And some men are going to just gravitate to it because they want to. They don't want to be under God because they see him as the false God and Lucifer as the real God. And I could go into that, but I don't want to right now. There is a certain love God has for humanity that, and I can feel it right now that pleads for these people to listen, to wake up, to realize that the God of love is there for them. 
and not to be, and I'm going to use the word snookered, fooled into deception that believing that Jesus was imperfect. There are plenty of people out there that say Jesus was imperfect. Don't believe it. That is a red flag for you. Anyone who says Jesus was imperfect is doing something heretical. What they're doing is actually trying to deceive you. Because if he was one little bit imperfect, he would not be able to sacrifice his blood for you or I. We would be lost. Okay, he's taken us out of our default position of an object of wrath into his kingdom and made us God's child. You know, he is our bridegroom. Do not let yourself be deceived by persuasive arguments. Study the scriptures like the Bereans did in Acts 17, 11, to see if those words are true. Don't take a man's word for it. And anyone who throws their, their I want to say diploma, certificate, whatever, at you as the reason you should believe because they spent time learning it is out to deceive you. That is never a valid reason to believe something. Okay, so be diligent, be steadfast. Learn so you can teach others. You are in a war and God loves you. On, on that note, regardless of whether or not it's somebody like a family member, somebody like a friend, uh, helping to train up the next generation, this is a time where, like Edgar said, this is about th this this is life and death stuff, and it's it's time that as Christians we are fully we have a full foundation and armament of truth that we are firm enough to be able to stand regardless of the nonsense and other people get trained up when other people are willing to train them but in order to be that you have to know what the bible says it's not a memorization thing it's not a works thing but it's very important that those of us that know truth help protect others with that truth and teach them how to guard guard their hearts against these deceits and these lies. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to be in your word, Father, and to see the vastness of it, the rich heritage you give us, Father that you have called all nations as your inheritance, Father. We rebuke the devil in your name and say he has no place to give us counsel. He has no place to teach us doctrine. We reject him 100% and we lean on you to reveal to us in scripture your heart, your desire, and that which is to come. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to Buddy Walk with Jesus. For more information, check us out at BuddyWalkWithJesus.com. Look for us on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. You can also find us on Discord at the Buddy Walk Community for prayer and fellowship. And lastly, if you check out the episode description, 
We have a listener support link and we would love your support for this ministry. As always, know that you are prayed for and know that you are loved.